This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Welcome to another episode of According to Flint, episode number 41. Actually, today, welcoming PBR legend, just, I don't know, PBR legend, legend in general, the one and only Ross Coleman. I'm playing hurt today, Ross. Listen to me. This is this is my version of battling through injury right here. Lost my voice, man. Hey, that's part of it, huh? That's You're, part of it. You got to pack me. You put me on your shoulders and just pack me through this. Because oh, right man. now, somebody's watching this going, what the hell's wrong with Flint's voice, man? That's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been there, done that. That's part of it, man. You yeah. got too, you're doing too much TV work. You know? <laughs> That's part of it. I talk to, this is like my nightmare. Like, when Flint loses his ability to bullshit with everybody, that's right. like my, that's my worst thing in the world. Well. That's part of it. Good thing you're tough. <laughs> Fight through it. Hey, wait, okay, so if I had to if I had to say to you, man, I'm playing hurt. Worst time you ever played hurt. Does anything pop in your mind riding bulls like one time that you were just like, I gotta do this and this sucks. This hurts. Oh, I mean, uh I don't know if I can remember exactly. It's been too damn long first. I know. Bullshit, <laughs> but but no. It's it's part of the game. I mean, yes, in general, you got to be tough and you got to freaking fight through the pain sometimes. And and I've been there, done that. I mean, we've all been there, done that. All the bull riders. So I don't really remember the exact day or whatever, but or exact ride. But yeah, a whole bunch of them. Whole hey, bunch of them. Are are cowboys <clears throat> bull riders? Are they tough? Because they're tough. Do they battle through injury? because of toughness or out of necessity because you know the old deal is i ain't getting paid if i don't ride or is it a combination of both things or one led to the other what do you think i think it's a combination of both too yes sir but like i think a lot of it uh a lot of it kind of plays into the old school cowboy factor of how much of a real cowboy you really are you know what i mean um yeah and you get around the, the quality of people like I was a part of for so long. And you get around Justin McBride and JW and, and Ty. And we talked about Gaffney earlier. Um, Seamus. I mean, it was like, you can't, you can't be a pussy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to be a tough, you got to be a real hand. You got to be a real cowboy and you got to understand the situation. And, and uh, we were talking, I did an interview a while back in Fort Worth and it was like, they were talking about the ultimate cowboy and be cowboy this and be cowboy that. And I got to thinking about all the different cowboy things I've done in my lifetime. And, and I've done a lot of different cowboy stuff. I used to ride Bronx and barebacks and, you know, working hard on ranching or busting Bronx or whatever goes on. But the actual real deal cowboy sport is the bull riding world, man. And the PBR <laughs> has got, and it's so cool because I love all the events in rodeo. Yeah, Flint, I do. I love every event, man. And I'm my hats off to those guys. All the the 
from the ropers to the steer wrestlers to the bronc riders to the bareback riders, my hat's off to them. But every one of those guys knows too that the PBR and the bull riding world is the real deal cowboy shit. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that locker room you were in, it, it, we want to make it out to be really different than the kids now, which the culture is different. Everything's different for kids now. But holy crap. You you caught the tail end of those guys that everybody with Razor and Lambert, and like you said, Aaron Seamus and G-Man and Adriano. You caught the tail end of like in my in my world in my career. That's the originals, man. It, is oh. it do do these guys now not have enough guys in the locker room saying don't be a pussy? I mean, I mean. You had it. You had it way worse. I think. Well, I it wasn't. It wasn't like it was guys telling you this stuff. You know, it yeah. wasn't like they were up in your grill saying, "Hey, you better cowboy, or you better do this or do that." It was just the mentality of them. It was just you go in there and Ty Murray's over here, and you go over and you look across the room and Troy Dunn is over there, and then you go look over here and there's Razor, and then here comes Main. Me and McBride, we're freaking 19, 18, 19 years old coming in here. And we're like, all our all our life, we're looking up to these guys. And they're our heroes. I mean, I seriously respect Ty Murray so much. And, and he was, and he still is my hero today. But, like, it was so cool to know Ty at a young age and then also get to be able to ride with him and then show up in the locker room at the biggest PBR level of all best bull riding in the world by by no means and it was so cool just to be around those guys and and it wasn't like it was like hey they were on your ass hey you got a cowboy up or don't be a pussy it wasn't none of that it was just like the respect factor you had for him you know what i mean it was just like you're bearing your ass down you might not be very you might not be quite as talented as them or quite at their level yet Right. But when I was 18, 19, 20 years old and I was in the locker room with them and I was riding, all I cared about was being that cowboy and what? trying my ass off and giving that grit to the, you know, giving everything I got and, kind of, kind and of, earning a bunch too. Kind of earning your spot in that locker yes, room. Yes, sir. I know yes, how sir. you feel. <clears throat> yes. I remember yes, sir. Uh, kind of late, late 90s, 96, 97. And a guy named David Allen, whose house I'm in right now, this studio. Right. And he took me to some of those early PBRs. And I'm standing out there dressed like a clown. And holy, it's Ted Noose. It's Tough Eatum. It's Ty Murray. Same thing. It's like, I, I got to do, it, it made me rise to the occasion. Even, even what, what, what I was doing, because there was an aura about those guys. And so I get it. It wasn't anything they told me until later. Then Ty Murray made sure to tell me. But yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. cool. Hey, hey, I want to go back to something you just said. Uh, you know, I knew your family and still know your family from being up in the Northwest. Steve and Kathy. And I mean, there ain't a harsher there ain't a harsher cowboy in the world than Bridget, your sister. <laughs> She's the best cowboy I know. And uh <clears throat> so I knew you guys, and I knew you as a three. You were a three rough stock guy. You were, I mean, when I saw you, you were a three rough stock guy. So when you kind of made that announcement, you were going to go ride in the PBR, I honestly was surprised because I didn't right. think bull riding was your best event. I agree. Well, yes, Was sir. I wrong? Um, was I wrong? No, you were, you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. Um, but like that, that, that was the best part about my whole, my whole like, era from right there through the pro rodeo. I did a little pro rodeos and stuff around the circuit and everything. And I rode all three rough stock and, and bareback riding was my best event. It really was. And I loved it and I respected the hell out of it. And I still did it today, but I slipped in there and made the PBR finals barely in 99. And I snuck into the PBR finals. My dad was there at the PBR finals with me and my whole family. And I bucked off the first couple bulls or whatever. And then I rode me a couple. And I even won a round. I won the last go round. But it was something that was magical about that PBR finals. It was in 1999. Yep. And it was that same year that there was like 
15 or 20 90 point rides in one perf or whatever but after that PBR finals was over my dad and me got to visiting a little bit and I was I was still rodeoing a little bit you know at the time and and dad was like man I don't know I know that rodeo is good and the NFR is probably the coolest rodeo in the world and I know it is and my respect for it is huge but he's like this PBR deal is kicking ass and I highly I highly recommend you staying hooked on this bull riding world and I uh, I respect my dad for that and everybody around that knows my dad has a lot of respect for him first off and uh, and I stayed hooked there all my heroes were there I mean Ty Murray was running the business of the PBR at the time and it was just like it was clicking and then Randy Bernard set up and kicked ass and made the PBR what it is, what it is today, you know. And uh, yeah. it was fun to to be on that ride with that PBR. It was cool. Um, I I I think it's important, and I try to make this point. <clears throat> we are rodeo fans. I'm a rodeo fan. Still have a connection oh, yeah. in the NFR. You're a rodeo fan. I, I try not to get into this too much, but after all these years, there's still a, a battle of uh, people say, oh, that PBR. Rodeo guys, big wigs in the PRCA. Uh, screw that PBR. Man, I, I wish they understood. We're all rodeo fans. Like, we just do it different. We're selling a different product here. But you can go in the locker room or whatever, we're talking about San Antonio or Houston or the NFR. We all go to the NFR and have jobs or what. I mean, it, I always just try to make that point that, yeah, we're, we're in this bull riding deal. Man, they're nothing better than that NFR. I mean, it's it just cowboy. It, we're all cowboys, right? Exactly. I mean, the whole world of, the, 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 that's where I grew up in St. Paul, Oregon, you know, in Malala, Oregon right. and the St. Paul rodeo every year. That's where I was that little kid behind the buck and shoots. And I was wanting to get autographs from everybody and want to help them and do all that stuff. But it was like, I saw that and I, I just fell in love with the sport of rodeo from, from day one. And, and I roped and I ride and I still do a little bit of that, but like I rode Bronx and barebacks and, and bulls and everything. But I swear it was such a great opportunity for me to get hooked up with the PBR and watch it grow from there. And all the PBR has done for rodeo has made rodeo better because yeah, they're agree. making it more of a, they're making it more of a riding contest. Now you look at the American rodeo there day, you look at the, all the NFR, it's not a drawn contest anymore. And that's why the PBR got started to make it not a drawn contest to make it a riding contest mm-hmm. and Look what it's done, uh, and it's helped the rodeo out too. The, the stock contractors and the the guys that are raising those badass bucking horses. I mean, it's it's so much better because of PBR, in my opinion. You bring up McBride all the time because when I think of yep. you, I think of McBride, and when I think of McBride, I think of you. And the greatest one of the greatest stories ever is when McBride is talking about registering for classes and going to school at UNLV. With you, because oh, McBride, yeah. I don't know if people know this. He's an intellectual, like that guy. It's about reading. It's about school, getting in classes, and he's like, "Man, I was babysitting old Roscoe, trying to." <laughs> he said he shows oh, up. Sure. He's not even registered in a class. McBride was like taking care of you down there, wasn't he? Yeah, he did. He took good <laughs> care of me. Yeah, we. Uh, he. Uh, I remember he showed up, and I think he had like a. 92 Pontiac worth about 600 bucks probably. And I think that's about all he had to his name. And I was, I was in like an old Chevy, old red piece of junk ranch truck. And we showed up in Vegas and we're like greener than green. Let me tell you. And uh, yeah, when it come into like signing up for classes or whatever, and luckily my older sister was there too and going to college too, the same college. So she kind of helped me out a little bit also, but, Yes, when it comes down to schoolwork and it comes down to to being knowledgeable and everything about all that world, world, I swear, I damn sure need all the help I can get. But but I I uh, yeah, we had quite a few different classes, and I took a couple random classes because they said the uh, the uh, counselor said that the teachers were nice or whatever. Because I took medical terminology was one of my classes, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing in there. <laughs> 
and I got in there and I had somebody do my homework for me, whatever, and got by, but I just barely passed just enough so I could make the rodeo team. So we, we, uh, we snuck through that little deal. How long did you go there? How long were you? One year. Just one. One, one year. One and done. One year. Just one and one done. One and done. Yeah, the college, ro- <laughs> the college rodeos were great. We had a good time. We went to a bunch of rodeos in Arizona and New Mexico and obviously Vegas there. John Grounty and Michael Gone yep. flew me and Justin McBride to a PBR event, Fort Worth, Texas, 1998. And we went out there to the Tough Heatman Challenge at the time. Yeah. It was a big, huge, big badass bull riding. And Michael Gone hooked us up. We got to fly in his jet. We're we're broke schoolboys, you know, and it was so badass. And that kind of from then on, Michael and John Grounty took care of me and Justin there. And we watched the bull riding and got to meet all you guys. And and from then on, I think we were kind of hooked in that PBR world. So hey, UNLV, cool. UNLV was tough rodeo wise, rodeo oh, team wise. Sure. Big time. Yes, sir. Hey, and I, I'm talking about you being a, a three rough stock guy. McBride, that was a bareback ride. That was old bareback Jack, Justin McBride, wasn't he? Hey, there's a Justin McBride could spur him in the bareback guy. Well, you've seen him spur bulls, obviously. But oh, yeah. I went to, we went to an Arizona rodeo one time, and and he drew this old gray horse. And this old gray horse was a hopper, but he was good. I mean, he's a 78-pointer, you know, just pretty good to ride. But I'm talking about would hop across there and make a circle. And Justin did spur this some bitch. It looked like it was good. It was it was very McBride. And McBride's a hand, and that's the best part about Justin and being around him today. And and everything's so good too. But like back when he rode bulls, first off, amazing. But when he could ride a bareback horse, I guarantee he could rear back and give it to one. And he was he's a hand. He's damn sure fun to be around. <laughs> that guy makes me laugh. Now he's now now he just is like calf roping, team rope, whatever. He, oh, he, that guy, whatever. he's one of them guys. Training cutting horses. Yeah, riding, cutting horses. Riding a cutting horse, and he's got a couple cutting horses in training, I think, and just, he's just very talented. He pisses, whatever he he pisses me off. He's just one he's of them good. guys. Just good at everything. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, let's uh, uh, go back a couple weeks here. Big Global Cup win, Coach Ross Coleman. With the big global cup win for the for the US of A. When they I remember and I told I had Mason Taylor on a show and and I, I told him, you know, when they put them teams together, people were commenting, Oh, what they just just give it to the Brazilians now. Nobody it's not even fair. Not even fair. You throw a bunch of twenty two year olds on a team, holy crap. I, it it woke me up to the fact of the the young guys we got riding bulls right now what a group huh i i I was so impressed with them flint i'm telling you um they were they were on fire that night but it was just like those group of younger guys too i remember a little bit so when i when me and justin were 20 22 years old i can remember that craving and that feeling that we get so it was so great how naturally it worked out first off cooper davis got hurt you know and boudreau campbell got hurt which would they were on the team, but it worked out to be perfect with Dalen and all the guys. And, and it was just such a great event. And those guys fed off each other and they're young and eager to win and eager to learn. And I got them together quite a few weeks ahead of time at Lambert's house. And we did some team roping and we did some basketball playing and we did some steer wrestling. And uh, it was just something that they all got together and were seriously feeding off each other. And it reminded me of back in the day when Justin and J-Dub and Seamus and me and Razor and all of us would get together and feed off each other. It was just such a, it was such a great time, Flint, and they rode their asses off, man. It was good. It was so good. I think that's been a, I I know early on with the, what it, it was the World Cup, then the Global Cup. I remember the Brazilian team would ride. They'd throw their hats and run out in the arena and, the Americans didn't do that. It was like, they got to look around. They were just there riding. Right. I think what was missing was that element to bring them together and say, we're a team here. And so, you know, that's important in that, uh, in that format. You know, I saw it right away. They had more enthusiasm than any other country there. 
I, I right. never thought I never thought I'd see that. Never thought I'd see it. Well, did you with Dalen when Dalen rode the first bull out? He was ninety on our very first bull out of the out of the first section, and it naturally happened. It wasn't like our game plan. It wasn't like we hey everybody in the locker room. Okay, now after you make a bull ride, that's everybody jumping arena and start <laughs> patting everybody around. It wasn't like that. It was just naturally. Uh, everybody was on a high that day, and me including. Obviously, I was jacked up like I do. I get excited, but why not get excited? I mean, this is bull riding. I mean, why not get pumped up for your team and why not get pumped up for the best country in the world? And, and we showed up and we were young bucks and we were damn sure Brazil was damn sure going to be the favorite no matter what. And we, uh, we showed up and we, we kicked that ass. <laughs> I thought, hey, by the way, <clears throat> before we went on the air, I'm telling Logan who helps me. I said, uh, we used to imitate. I used to do a Ross Coleman imitation. Ro- oh, sure. Ro- Ross Coleman in an interview. Ross Coleman in an interview. Ross Coleman, man, great ride tonight. What'd you think of the show? Man, it's kick ass. Shit, your ass, kick ass. Best bull in the world, best bull riders in the world. Kick ass. Yeah. Back to you, Craig. <laughs> That's it. That's my. Well, I mean, I added some other colorful words in there too, but you're, you're like my one of my best to, to believe it or not. I imitated you. Well, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You make you make fun of me all you want to. That's part of it. Hey, uh, with the Global Cup in mind, coaching that team, you're now you're now going to be a coach in the new PBR team stuff. What what's your team? What what team are you coaching? Missouri Missouri Thunder. Oh, you and Luke Snyder. Me and Luke together. Yes, sir. So similar approach. What do you bring? Uh, the format is different than Global Cup, but the team aspect is similar is that what you're going to try and bring to whoever your team is similar come on guys stick together kind of a thing of course i mean i mean that's what it's all about that the coolest part is too like we'll be got we'll have guys from brazil on our team we'll have guys from america on our team or whatever but like when we can bring them all together and and do the try to do the exact same thing we did at global cup with our guys, but like, it's just going to be such a great opportunity, but also a great learning experience for all these bull riders too, because they're going to get better. They really can't, they're going to get better and it's going to be so much fun because they're going to have on and in and out of the arena. We're going to be doing lots of real stuff. That's legit cowboy stuff, but as a team to make them really communicate and really kick ass so so if you <clears throat> tell me this knowing bull riders like i do and through the years and a lot of these young guys if you you and lucas coaches and your management of your team you start saying okay as a team we're getting together here we're gonna do this 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 do you think there'll be any pushback because there's a lot of bull riders and a lot of young guys going I don't want anybody telling me what to do. You know, I've always had a statement I've made that Cowboys want to be, want to be treated like professional athletes until they get treated like professional athletes. Cause there's a real independence that this is all built on. Do, do you anticipate guys or what do you do? If you do get pushback of them saying, screw this, I don't need to go. I don't need to go do all that. What do you do? Well, I mean, that's that's the most important part. When we do pick our team, we want to pick the guys that we think or might be all in, right. all in to try something new maybe or to when it comes to the technique part of it too or whatever, when it comes to technique of bull riding, yeah, there's little basic things that we can work on at times, but we're not going to go crazy and break things down and just say you've got to do this special and this special and this special. We're going to do more of a cowboy aspect of it and feed off each other and have them be together and be a team, you know what I mean? And, and have some guys that, that will be able to push each other and have some leaders on our team. Like, like, you know, like Dalen was on our team for global cup. I mean, he was our leader out there kicking that ass, but he was doing it naturally. It wasn't like we we're going to be trying to do all this fancy dancy new stuff. We're going to try hard to keep them working out and, and keep them busy, but we're not going to go wide ass open and, try to do some fancy technique stuff because bull riding's bull riding. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, 
yes, some of them might take it better than others, but I think it's going to be a good run for everybody. And we're there to help. We're, that's our main thing. We're trying to help the sport and help these riders. And, uh, and the shit, the riders are outstanding in today's world, in my opinion, anyways. Yes, they're streaky, but do you remember PBR finals this last year? How good was that? Oh, I know. Sunday morning, 930 in the morning. 930 in the morning. One of the best performances I've ever seen. I'm I'm unreal, man. And that's, that's the type of stuff that we'll remind these guys of. Um, That was, that was so badass. I enjoyed that perf of bull riding and the bulls of the PBR are absolutely amazing. You know that, but they showed up and rode this year, PBR finals. And I think that's just the way a lot of the team things are going to be. So, okay. Things can be good. Okay. So I'm going to, I got to admit something, which yep. people know that I have not been all in on the team deal. Cause I, for one, I'm, I've been informed a lot about it and I just have been skeptical. You just brought something up for the first time to me. It clicked in my brain. That could be a real, real positive for everything. Said, if you can get those guys working out, focusing on mental things, doing stuff, it really could flip a switch in them for when the regular season comes to crown world champion that they take what you guys have had them do and just make them that much better when it's a solo event when they're trying to win a world title. I mean, there's some real positives could could come out of this. And that that's so true. And that's the best part about this whole situation of bull riders and bull riding. Like Cody Lambert, and me and Justin and J-Dub, we do quite a few clinics and stuff over at his house. Last summer, we did some coaching stuff. But, like, the one thing he always says is, like, the bull riding has kicked ass for, and gotten better and better. The bulls have gotten better and better. The riders have, too, to a certain extent. But we really haven't passed the torch down to the riders like we could be or or should be in the last 10 or 12 years. You know what I mean? Right. It's like – there for a while with Ty and the, the original guys that were in there. And then there was a, a couple badass bull riders show up, you know, from Justin McBride and then JB and all this stuff. And then, but it's like, how do you pass the torch down? And we really just haven't really just done a lot of clinics or a lot of coaching or a lot of stuff to actually try to pass the word. And I think it's getting better now that the team deal is showing up. It's just going to be, uh, it's just going to be great for everybody. It has engaged you guys more. I agree. I think there really was that, even if it was a general attitude like you talked about, from those kind of original guys to you guys. But then, yeah, it kind of got to a point where uh, these young guys, it was more being critical instead of stepping right. in. And, and then you had that influence like, you know, there's only been a few freaks of nature in this sport. You know, uh, uh, McBride's one of them. J.B. Mooney is a real freak of nature. I remember oh, yeah. when I remember when Mason Taylor come along. I, I do more of the, the, the J.B. Mooney style. I don't work out. I don't do this. Nobody can do J.B. Mooney. You can't no. do the crap he, fans only knew, the crap he did, and then go be 95 points the next day. Well, so J.B. didn't wasn't really... What he was passing along was kind of a different deal. And, yeah, this where it's bringing you and Luke Snyder. I mean, we never we don't see Luke enough to pass that along. That's a great point, to pass along I, I, positivity instead of crit- critical. The positive note, that's so true. And, I, and it feeds off each other, man. It's, it's so contagious. That's the best part about bull riding. It's so contagious. When, when we had that World Cup the other day, when Dalen rode that first bull, it, you could just see the positivity through all our bull riders. And then when Dalton Castle rode that bull for 92, which was amazing ride. Could have been 94. Could have been 94. Yeah. It yeah. could have been. Yeah, you could have just given the books pretty much. I mean, that bull was bucking. Yeah. But I'm telling you, like, the it's so contagious. And that positive, good, fun energy, that's why we do bull riding. I mean, yes, there's a lot of money to be won. And yes, there's a lot of stuff to go through and a lot of interviews and a lot of distractions. But the whole reason why you do bull riding, in my opinion, is for that feeling that you get when you're out there and you got your buddies behind you and you're out in the arena with you and you're 
pumped or whatever. Like, I mean, it's just what it's all about. It's magic, man. It's like, it's feels, feels pretty awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I saw it this week in, in Arizona. As, as we record this, I just came from Arizona, Glendale, Arizona. I'm seeing more guys now whooping and hollering for that guy riding. And that, that has come from, you know, a lot of that bled over, uh, you know, from the Global Cup. And man, even I need a reminder once in a while that, man, look at what we get to do. Because I, I get jaded, I'm tired, and I, you know, yeah. can't talk, and I don't know, oh, poor me. And I look around, we're doing it. You know how many millions of people wish they were doing what we were doing? Right. I mean, yeah. it's, cow, it, it's cowboy shit. <laughs> there, it really is. Our this podcast, there is a podcast called Cowboy Shit. They beat me to the name Canadians. <laughs> Damn Canadians. Um it's fun to listen. I do a lot of QA's with fans and uh tour stuff where they ask us questions. They a lot of them are surprised how little the guys are, but then a lot of them have knowledge, so they're like, it's true, isn't it, that the bigger the smaller, the better with the guys. And big guys, they don't do as good. When I think of big bull riders, I think of, for one, Montana, Bo Hill. Remember Bo, Bo Hill? Hill? Bo yeah, Hill. Yeah. Owen Washburn was a pretty tall dude. Cody Teal's a little bigger. You were a big guy. You don't know any different, right? You're, you're a long-bodied kind of bigger guy for a bull rider. People will ask, you know, Cody Teal, is it harder for you? Well, it's all I've ever known. Were there things that guys could do that you couldn't as a big guy? Did you have any disadvantages that you thought in your head? Um, no, I think that's just another distraction. I think it's just another excuse, I think, for some guys out there. I mean, yes, I was bigger. And I would, if I could do it all over again, I'd be, I'd lose a lot more weight and, and, you know, take it more seriously and really be lean and really be, you know, athletic a little more athletic than I really was, but, um, I got by pretty good, but I think today's world with the bulls that are so badass, if I was going through it all, yeah, I could do okay again today. But if I could try to lose a lot more weight and try to be a little bit more leaner and a little bit more agile, definitely would help me with my bull riding, but it is what it is. Um, but it's just another distraction, but like you can talk about guys like, own Washburn and whatever and being tall and Cody Teal. I mean, those guys are first class bull riders and it's so cool to, uh, it's just, it's cool to be around guys like that back in the day too. Own Washburn was seriously bad ass. <laughs> he man. was in, in every way. Like that yes. guy, you know, it is fun. I'm starting to do it more now as I approach kind of the end of my career a little bit you look back on all those those generations of guys that Owen Washburn guys like him i don't think anybody realizes like how funny how dry a lot of those guys were and i try to compare it now in the locker room and i can't find any guys like that it was a different right. humor back then cuz it wasn't phone right. wasn't tiktok it wasn't social media it was just right here everything right. was right there well I tell you what, could you imagine having Owen Washburn on TikTok back in the day doing some funny <laughs> shit that he did or whatever he said? <laughs> it'd be good. It'd be funny for me and you. But yeah, yeah. You know, yeah Owen but, Washburn, he's a hero of mine, man. And he's such a badass, man. He was he was first class and he could ride any of them. And he was tall. And that's yeah. no excuse. You know what I mean? So it's like the taller you are, whatever. You just gotta have a little more cowboy try. Yeah. Um, you know, social media dominates the world now. You said, imagine Owen Washburn on stuff. Can you imagine if you and Justin McBride had to put up with people filming you? It, do you know how many times I we'd be on the East Coast and I'd have a 6 a.m. flight and I'd come through the, through the lobby of the hotel at 4.30 a.m. and McBride's oh, yeah. sitting there with it, leaning on a guitar and you're sitting there, and Luke Snyder sitting there, and whoever else was around. It it was it was a different world because of the limited access 
to what you guys were doing in your personal time. That was that that is a different aspect of what you were doing. Well, we damn sure had fun. I tell you that much. And pretty much Justin would win about every event, it seemed like. So if he won, we all won. So we'd all have to celebrate, correct? So and Justin loved playing that guitar and he plays it pretty good. And a lot of times too, he'd show up, you know, when Varble might be there when, yep. or some other awesome guitar player. Trent, buddy, Trent, Will, Trent Willman used to show up. I remember yeah. there were some guys that, yeah randomly at some hotel lobby somewhere and it'd be after the bull riding was over. So we're all done and we have a pretty good time and, and just uh, enjoy some good music. But uh, yeah, we damn sure we raised a little hell a little bit back in the day. <laughs> hey, but, but McBride made a good point on, on this podcast. He made a good point and he said, you know what we did? We had fun and we did, as he said, we did some, some stupid shit here and there. But what guys don't realize is all the stuff that looked wild and we were off doing our thing. Everything we did somehow came back to bull riding and winning. We might have been drinking beer till 4.30 in the morning, but we were talking about it. We were thinking about it. We were focused on it. I thought that interesting that everything you did went back to that. Of course. I mean, that's... That's why we were there first off. Yeah, we, yeah, it, it got to be a distraction sometimes for me or whatever, a little bit of partying. But I'm telling you, man, when you get down there with those group of guys from J Dub to Justin, even Owen Washburn show up randomly, whatever, but with those badasses, it was like, yeah, we might be drinking till two or three, four in the morning, whatever. But we were, we were zoned in talking about bull riding or, or congratulating somebody because they kicked ass or, He's buying a beer or whatever, but but we uh we were definitely zoned in and loving everything about the, the real world of bull riding for sure. There was a famous interview. It was Leah Garcia days when when Leah was oh, yeah. around, which was wasn't that long ago. But Leah used to talk about the famous uh I think it was like Jacksonville, Florida, coming into Sunday afternoon. It was McBride and Ross Coleman, like one, two, something. And you guys been out like all night. And and she's interviewing both of you. And McBride says something. Like, I can't remember the process. And she asks you something. And McBride goes like this, looking at you. <laughs> and everybody there knew what kind of shape you were in. <laughs> I still sure. picture that going to you. And you did your, yeah, yeah it's kick-ass, you, you know. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good day, and, and McBride's going. Like, oh, he's a smart ass. Isn't he? <laughs> oh, he's a, hey, he's a really good smart ass, and he's tough too. I'm telling you, he's a wrestling tough, eye gouging, fish hooking some buck too. <laughs> I'm not lying. He's real deal. Oh god! But he'd always jack, and and he'd find a way to jack with me or jack with him or whatever, and that's fun part about it we had so much fun i mean we jack with each other all the time and and just enjoy it man it was it was damn sure a good ride well and i bring <clears throat> i bring mcbride up a lot around you yeah. and, and same bringing you up around him because i just that's it, you were like a married couple but you liked each other <laughs> but uh, but you you know you brought up your dad and what you were around growing up in the St. Paul Rodeo, there's the Molala Rodeo right there close. But your guys' ranch, because I experienced this. Me and my family stayed there between right. rodeos. That 4th of July time from, from then into August, your place, your ranch in Molala, Oregon, was full of the greatest cowboys in the world for months. I for mean, sure. for you, your brother Mitch, your sisters – there it's like assimilation you you watch those guys all the time what a, uh, i think he had a lot in that place to be around those kind of guys all that time from when you're this big what a great experience it it really was um it's like uh Grounty used to keep all the stock there too you know so john Grounty keep all his rough stock there and continent stock so then it just kind of was a chain reaction because everybody knew john so all the Charmaine James to show up there with her badass horse scamper. 
So that was a big deal back in the day when we were kids, you know? And then all of a sudden, a bunch more barrel racers, a bunch more ropers, and a bunch more cowboys and bronc riders. The Etbauer brothers used to come by there and stay at the ranch. I mean, one day I was out there, I was about 10 years old, and Ty Murray's out there, and it was during the day. Uh, we were just waiting on the perf that night in Malala or, or St. Paul or whatever, and, and Ty Murray and Cody Lambert were at the ranch and stuff, and it was John Grounding brought him over, you know, and it was like, it was so cool and it was weird. It, it wasn't weird. It was cool to me that I, they were around and I got to know them a little bit and they just come, you know, kill time and come swimming at the ranch or come, you know, chill out during the day. But uh, a lot of the people that had horses or whatever would keep them there at the ranch and some are out there sometimes, but it was just a great opportunity. My dad knew everybody. I mean, my dad run the rodeo in St. Paul. So they all respected him and he's like, come on guys. And he would feed them up and, feed their horses and feed them. My mom would feed them up. And, and it was just a, is the way it should be, in my opinion. And it's just hospitable. I lost it. Um, there. No, you're good. <clears throat> well, plus you got a pool. I mean, well, yeah, that's sure. right. Yeah, if, you, if you got a pool, you, you instantly have friends. That's just wait for sure. <laughs> yep. Hey, is it true? You guys had a, a, a huge, huge barn there, huge indoor arena. And oh, yeah, and the old thing where you go uh, in AT&T Stadium and sure enough, there's some cowboy going, man, you could stack a lot of hay in here. You know, it's the old joke. You guys filled your barn with hay. Is it true? Oh, yeah. Is it true then you fed from the middle? So then come spring, it was big enough you could rope in there? Is that true? Oh, uh, well, back in the day when, when we were around a bunch riding all winter long, dad would have it set up where he'd have we could have a, a bull riding bucking pin in there. So we buck bulls in there all winter long. And, uh, and that was the best part that my dad, you know, he hooked me up pretty good with the whole situation. He made us work first off too. We wasn't just a bunch of spoiled brats, but we damn sure had to work our ass off quite a bit, but he'd have bucking bulls for us. He'd have bucking horses for us. Every Wednesday night we'd buck bulls around there all winter long. And, uh, we'd have our own little jackpot. We had about seven or eight guys around there that could really ride and, and, uh, in the barn. And it was full of hay. Shoot. <laughs> we used to have high school rodeos in there. The, uh, one year or a couple of years it'd get rained out of the, at the rodeo grounds right mm -hmm. there in Malala for the high school rodeo. Yep. So dad just shipped all the hay out and made grandstands with the hay and, uh, set up a badass rodeo pen right in the, right in the indoor arena there. So right in the hay barn pretty much. Yeah. So, it was good. I remember hearing about that. So good confirmation on the rumors I heard. So, um, hey, young guys now. We've talked about your young guys on your team. They, uh, you know, Dalen Swearingen, barely, barely number one in the world right now. There are also, you know, when you go to one of our shows, almost half of them are Brazilians now. When you... You, you caught the end of Adriano Marias and then Silvano Alves. There are four or five of them. Everybody's like, look at all the Brazilians. Well, now there's 20. Those guys, they don't have a plan B. Like, physically, there's nothing different about them. But up here, they gave up everything. There's no other option. Right. You, you got to respect that. I mean, a lot of people don't like them Brazilian riders. Why? Hey, because they're good. Yeah, they're they are good. Yeah, they are good. And and it's you know I've been to Brazil. I've been to Brazil and rode down there, and there is thousands of them down there that are just craving a chance to come over to America and come ride bulls. And I think it makes the bull riders in America better. I mean, yes, we are spoiled a little bit to a certain extent. These bull riders in America, but you take a guy like we we're talking about Derek Kolbaba earlier take a guy like him and you put him and all these other Brazilians are showing up and then it makes Derek or any other American boy or anybody on my team that was on the U S team the other day, they know the Brazilians are going to ride. We know they're going to do good, but we got to step our game up because of that. Now, when this whole team format shows up, there's going to be Brazilians spread out throughout all the teams and it's going to be a good problem for everybody and then get those Brazilians and Americans working together, working out together, feeding off each other, it's just going to be even better. So 
I, I was pumped. I love watching that Mauricio. Mauricio wrote good there. Their day. Now I enjoy when he rides you. And hey, him <clears throat> do you know that guy? Do you know him at yeah, all? Yeah, a little bit. I haven't, I haven't met him until about a month ago or so, or a couple months before the global mm-hmm. cup, he came over to Lambert's started roping a little bit with us. He ropes pretty good too. And he's, he's a good, good boy. He, Super he, nice. He guy. just started learning English like a year ago. Right. And speak English, that guy's hilarious. Like yeah, he is funny. And I wish, <clears throat> I really wish fans knew that. Like, I think they, I think they kind of create that we all don't like each other. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're Brazilian, American, Australian. Some of you are cool. Some of you are assholes. It's just the right. way. It's just the nature of the world. That Mauricio, that guy, he he's a character. But that's a good point. Um, I, I've through the years, I've had, you know, seventy five year old men at the coffee shop go, "What the hell are we gonna do about all these Brazilians? We gotta do something oh, yeah. about these Brazilians." The answer is simple. Beat them. Beat them. That's right. it. Yeah. Step only- your game up. Step your game up. Yeah. Oh, you know, a lot of people, they're just like, send those Brazilians home. Well, it is called a world championship, not the American championship. So <clears throat> I remember early on when there's two or three Brazilians right after Adriano. This shows the intelligence of some of the people in the world. Somebody on sent an email or it was right when social media was coming out and somebody said, why don't they send them Brazilians back to Mexico where they came from? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, jeez. I love, I, no, I respect the heck out of them, though, because they show up here and you move a long ways away from home and you show up here and they got one job to do, and that's the Red Bulls, and they work hard at it and they work out hard and they're always helping each other out and feeding off one another and, and, uh, they're kicking ass. That's, that's they, they, you know what they do? <clears throat> they create a team. Like, uh, of course. Uh, you know, Cody Lambert has commented that the one disadvantage that PBR guys have now is they don't hop in a car, four of them, and drive 15 hours. Right. And, and bond and talk about bull riding and have that team feel. That's gone because everybody flies everywhere. The Brazilians have it because they have two advantages. This is, this is the Flint school of bull riding coming up. They got two advantages. Number one, they've created their own team in a sense. Number two, because of their lack of the knowledge of the language, they don't have a bunch of distractions. It's all right That's here. Good. Tunnel vision. That's good. Right. I, should, I should write a book, Roscoe. You could. No, that's true. Though there's so many distractions in bull riding, and that's what I told my guys at the Global Cup that day before we started. I said there's going to be so many distractions, and that big, huge TV screen right out there is a huge distraction in Jerry's world. But like, you know, them got we we got together and we huddled up about it. We talked about it. We said, you know, let's just go out here like we're at Lambert's practice pen at his indoor pen at his house. And yes, TV and yes, money. And yes, the Brazilians are probably going to be right there, you know, right on top by us with the points. And don't look at none of that. And Justin McBride helped me with that, too. He said he brought that up to me before we coached that team. And and he's like, you know what? Like, there's so many distractions out there. Let's just be like we're at Lambert's practice pen and go out there and start feeding off each other and start kicking ass and being contagious like bull riding can be. And bam, it worked out really good. Momentum momentum is real. Yes, sir. I've I've said it in bull riding forever. Momentum is real, whether it's good or bad, whether you're falling off or riding, it's for real in bull riding. Hey, uh, we, a discussion I've had with a lot of people is what happens to Cowboys when they're done? We, we've seen world champions retire with nothing. And you know that. We've seen mm-hmm. them our whole lives. A, a guy wins three world titles. He re- retires from rodeo. You don't know where he is, what he's doing. And it's sad. Right. If I had to, if I were to put Ross Coleman during a podcast in the perfect setting, it's in a barn with cowboy stuff hanging on the wall behind it. Because you've you've gone a 
not a different direction. But you've taken advantage of the fact that you're not a bad-looking dude. You do, every time I open up a magazine or look at a commercial, I go, freaking Ross Coleman again. This whole being an ads modeling deal, that's been a fun thing for you. It's keeping you rolling. It's doing good. I mean, I've been, it kind of paid the bills for a little bit. Um, I worked for, I worked for a buddy of mine here, trained horses for about three years, about eight miles from my house right here. And, uh, and him and I both had an interview with a gal from our cowboy church in town here. And she showed up and interviewed him first and then came over to my house and interviewed me. And we're like, they couldn't tell us what it's for or whatever, but it worked out to be a, a interview for a, uh, for a Marlboro, the Marlboro deals that we do for a big photo shoot deal. Anyways, long story short, about three years of nonstop riding and pulling on Colts. They said, Hey, we're going to send you somewhere and pay a little bit of money to go take some photos. And, and I was like, well, that sounds a little bit better than riding Colts all day long. So, <laughs> That worked out pretty good there. And so from then, Boot Barn caught on. And then from there, other guys, you know, Resist All and everything else kind of helped out a little bit and started doing things. Chris Douglas, you know Chris, yep. a buddy of mine, a photographer from Montana, has hired me on a bunch to do the random photos um, of doing cowboy shit like we're talking about. Right. Riding and hey, You're doing it for real. They're just taking yes, pictures sir. of it. Yes, sir. And that that's the cool part. I like uh, the photos are, are really cool to see, you know, when you can get a lot of horses rolling at, at one time and, and doing, going fast at times, which is pretty damn dangerous at times, but right up my alley and, uh, or pulling on a horse or busting a bronc or whatever, and, and having some pretty cool flicks. It's really fun. And, and it's really cool to see the hard work you put into it too. Like it'll be a couple of days of some serious work going on and, and seeing the finished product is a uh, very first class. So it's kind of cool to see. Um, I did. I laughed one day. I'm standing <clears throat> in the Dallas airport and I'm at the, the baggage claim and it's a, it, they're playing a video above the baggage claim and it's a boot barn commercial. And oh, I'm yeah. thinking, man, nothing says Texas like a cowboy commercial rolling across at baggage claim. And I looked up, and they're running through the snow, and that commercial was filmed in Montana. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, take that, Texans! You had to film the damn commercial in Montana to be Texans. Montana wins again, buddy." Hey, Montana is beautiful, man. I love it up there. Yeah, and then there's a uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and just getting to travel and see these different places is so cool too. And hey, did to you done? Did did huh? you? Uh, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just. Uh, are you, did you do some Yellowstone work? 1883? Uh, has it aired the episodes you oh, did? Yeah. You're, you, oh, had yeah. a, you had a name and everything, right? Oh man, Bowen. I was Bowen. <laughs> <clears throat> I wrote, uh, I, I had two lines. I had two short little lines and uh, I, it was badass. It okay. Was well, okay. what were your lines? Do you remember? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, your crew is pretty light to be gathering wild cattle. That's what I told Sam Elliott. I told him that we had a Academy had a little, Award. Had a little, I had my hat on. I had a flat brim hat on. <laughs> I was all dialed in there, and I was like, I showed up there and old school, you know, kind of rough looking. And I was part of a, I was part of a group of cowboys that were helping them gather the cattle, getting the straight cattle together. And uh, Taylor Sheridan, uh, he's a friend of mine, and he uh, he hired me. He called me and hired me on to come work on that show for about a month or so and i had that line and then i had another line my first line was that we walked up to sam i said <clears throat> i said uh your crew's a little light to be gathering wild cattle that's what i told him and then he said he'd hire us on and so we went and helped him gather the cattle and did a lot of work there and then another scene we were we were playing cards at the at the campfire and i told him i'd bet, bet somebody double so i had two quick little lines because I'm not much of an actor at all, by the way. And I'm pretty sure Taylor Sheridan knows that I'm not an actor. And, uh, but it was, it was fun because there's me and, and, uh, Buster Frierson was there and we were punching cows around and, 
and it was just uh it was it was fun there was a couple other cowboy guys that were there and, and uh, a bunch of actors a bunch of the actors right. were there and they were good people they're really good tim mcgraw man like tim mcgraw is a positive hard-working yeah. good dude he, really good you guy. know i defend so. tim mcgraw i see it on facebook oh tim mcgraw this his his black straw hat we're so critical in the cowboy oh, yeah. world of people right. that just want to wear a cowboy hat. They bought the damn cowboy hat. Give them a break. And Tim McGraw bought his whole family tickets to the PBR in Nashville one year. Just damn right. Bought. We took him up, and he was so, man, he was so excited. I defend Tim McGraw all the time because he's yes, a good sir. guy. Good guy. And Sam, and Sam Elliott, man, just being around those guys was cool because it was kind of like being around Ty Murray and Jim Sharp and, Owen Washburn in the locker room. I mean, they were that. It was cool. There was like a bunch of people on set at that movie deal. But Sam Elliott, way nice to everybody. Super cool guy. Old school, badass cowboy. Good, great actor. Good to be around. Nice to everybody. And then Tim McGraw is like the uh, like the leader of all those actor guys. Like he he was so positive and so. Like, it'd be long days. It'd be long, hot days out there. And Tim McGraw would be energetic and, like, motivating and just good to be around. So I could learn – I learned a lot from Tim just watching him and being – watching him be such a badass that he is. And it was fun to – it was fun to see those guys. It was good. Tim, Tim, would, <clears throat> Tim would step up and go, come on, fellas. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Live like you were dying. Let's go. <laughs> That was dope. You got it. That was too easy. You got it. Too easy. Yeah, it was good. That's awesome. But you just, you know what? Well, the story you just told us, that's the clip we're going to use to advertise this podcast. Uh, hey, you're, you got, you got like the coolest boy. You got a hot wife and you got cool boys. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'm blessed. You, you I'm know, blessed. This, when, when we set this up, you said, so what time can we do it? Well, I take my boys here and I go here. As we do this, they're on spring break, but they're, listen, people post videos of their kids playing sports all the time, and I just roll through it, whatever. Right. Not your boys. Those yeah. are football-playing little bastards. Those guys, yeah, they're sir. rolling, aren't they? They're good. Oh, they're doing good. They're doing really good, yeah. Cooper's down there playing football right now, and it's, it's springtime. You know, it's spring break, but they're already talking about football for the fall. So he's out there working with the, with the varsity head varsity coach right now. He'll be a freshman next year, but uh, it's just such a good vibe around Texas and the football world and and the sports industries for all these guys. For all my kids, they all love all the sports and we're involved with all of it. And they all can rope and ride a little bit and do what they need to do if if need be. But I love the sports, man. We got basketball tournament this next weekend. We've got. We got track meets. We've got baseball. We've got football, and I can't wait to football because I'm a yeah. football fan. Ooh, I love yeah. football. Hey, you were a Molala what, what's Indian, called? the Molala Indians. Molala Indians. You're I know right. We nice get, football we field. I, I know yeah, where the football field is. You were okay, weren't you? Yes, sir. I got, I got, I got a couple offers to go play college ball for sure. Where Where'd you get offered? Yeah. Where'd uh, you get recruited? Western Oregon. Western Oregon State. The, this like this. The sea wolf, the wolves are the right. I think they're the cougars or something. I think the the so, Western Oregon State. I, I got I got an offer to go play. I was a middle linebacker and uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed contact. So it was no fun. no kidding. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was it was it was fun, man. We had a bunch. We had a couple of cowboys on that team too that were legit, and uh, we uh, we had a pretty good little high school football team yeah, back in the day. But, you know, um, okay. stories. I'm giving you credit, but your wife was like superstar athlete, right? Track yes, star. Sir. Am I right? Oh yeah. Yep. You got it. Yep. That's where the kids get it all. I know. My wife, my wife was good athlete. She was good at basketball too. And, and, uh, her dad, Perry Lee, badass cowboy, famous calf roper, bareback rider, bull rider from right here in Texas. And uh, the genetics are there. So the gen- genetics good. are there for the kiddos. And it's a good breeding program. There you good, go. Good breeding you program. Go. You know, the famous line. Famous line. And I don't want to keep you all day, but famous line that no. when the Bulls really started just slamming guys. Bulls were getting better in the PBR. And 
I don't know if it was on TV or what. Somebody said, man, with the breeding program of these bulls, Cowboys are going to have to start their own breeding program. Ty Murray's famous line. Yeah, we've had one forever. We just don't talk that much about it. Right. <laughs> That's true. Ty Murray. Ty good, Murray line. Good genetics. That's right. That's good right. Good genetics. Listen, buddy, uh, I appreciate it. Um, I've known your family for, geez, forever. And uh, I knew when I went to the Northwest, I always felt safe. And you know how this is when you go certain places and you know certain people in their lives that, you know, I always defend certain friends because I always say, <clears throat> if anything ever went wrong, I know they drop everything. When I was up in the Northwest and I'd go to Canby, St. Paul and Canby, and no matter how where I was around there, I know if something went wrong, I could always go to the Coleman Ranch. Yes, like, sir. I just never had any concerns in the Northwest because of your family. And, and that, to me... That's what being a cowboy is, what your family was to me. It's, it, it really is. And family is it's so huge for all of us, and it's so true. And my mom and dad are, are just first-class folks, and, and everybody in the rodeo world's part of the family. So the Coleman Ranch is, is out there, and everybody enjoys the heck out of it. And I can't wait to get back there with our bull riding team. <laughs> You're the best, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. You Good to see it. you, Pardon. You too, always. Uh